I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 30 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about the importance of adversarial government. Well, I hope it's nice and warm wherever you guys are. It is a cold, snowy day here in central Kentucky. Definitely not my favorite kind of weather. So it's a good time to be inside recording an episode of Thoughts from a Hairy Head. Just a quick housekeeping item before I get into today's topic. Unfortunately, I'm going to be out of town next week. I had planned on trying to get an episode pre-recorded so I could post something while I was gone, but it's not going to happen. Just too much stuff going on right now, so I will not have an episode next week, but I will be back behind the microphone the week after. So last week I talked about the Supreme Court, and I made the case that it isn't. Supreme, that is. This whole concept seems to make a lot of people really uncomfortable. They can't seem to handle the thought of not having a final, absolute authority. Maybe that explains the appeal of Donald Trump. Not to go too far down a bunny trail here, but I saw an article in the Huffington Post the other day that explained the Trump phenomenon in exactly those terms, in talking about authoritarianism. I'll link to that article in the show notes. It's a pretty interesting read. If anything, I think the writer actually underestimates the authoritarian streak in American society. Anyway, a lot of people get really twitchy when I tell them that the Supreme Court doesn't have the final say in all matters constitutional. I don't even think it's so much that they want the Supreme Court to be in charge. I mean, it's not this philosophical devotion of the judicial branch. It's, it's not a love for black robes or anything like that. It's just that somebody has to have the final say. So the Supreme Court has just taken on that role. And most people are fine with it. I guess maybe that's just because it says Supreme right there in the name, right? That means SCOTUS gets to be the big dog. So we've turned the Supreme Court into this all-powerful ruling oligarchy made up of nine politically connected lawyers. By allowing five of these nine federal employees to determine the extent of federal power, we have given them virtually unlimited authority to rule over more than 300 million people. To me, that is just absurd, and it runs counter to Thomas Jefferson's assertion that the several states composing the United States of America are not united on the principle of unlimited submission to their general government. I went into depth on this in episode 29 of Thoughts from Meharry Head. The bottom line is that this isn't the system the founding generation envisioned. 
In fact, they would be appalled at modern American politics. But when I make this case, people get this this desperate look on their face. It just doesn't compute. If the Supreme Court doesn't have the final say on constitutional matters, then who does, they demand. Well, how about nobody? At least that's what Thomas Jefferson thought. Nobody in Washington, D.C., anyway. He said each of the three departments has equally the right to decide for itself what its duty under the Constitution is without regard to what the others may have decided for themselves under a similar question. Madison took a slightly more moderate stance. He held that the Supreme Court does have the final say in disputes between the three branches of the federal government, but not the absolute final say in the last resort. Madison wrote, However true, therefore, it may be that the judicial partment is, in all questions submitted to it by the forms of the Constitution, to decide in the last resort, this resort must necessarily be deemed the last in relation to the authorities of the other departments of the government, not in relation to the rights of the parties to the constitutional compact, from which the judicial as well as the other departments hold their delegated trusts. Jefferson and Madison agreed on the most important point, that the federal government doesn't determine the limits of the federal government. In the last resort, the people of the states, the parties that created the federal constitution in the first place, make that call. Okay, here's what you need to wrap your head around. In the American political system, there isn't supposed to be a supreme branch of government. The people are supreme, not the courts, not the president, not the Congress us. It doesn't say we the Supreme Court on top of the Constitution. It says we the people. We the people delegated the federal government its powers. In the last resort, we the people decide the extent of those powers. We do this through the pre-existing political societies, the states. In shorthand, states have the final say. So I was trying to explain this to a guy the other day, and he said, so what, pistols at 10 paces as a last resort? Now, this gets us down to the crux of the matter. This is why so many people can't handle the idea of states having the final say. It's messy. It creates conflict. It leads to gridlock. It's adversarial, and people just don't like the conflict. Give me an authority to settle it, they cry. Look, it doesn't have to be pistols at 10 paces. We are perfectly capable of working things out without a supreme leader and without hitting each other. When I was growing up, kids in my neighborhood often got together and played sandlot games. Football, soccer, kickball, you name it, we played it. We make a few phone calls, meet up in a vacant lot, choose up sides, and lock horns in epic matchups until our mom started calling us to come home. And I don't ever remember having a referee. We just interpreted and enforced the rules ourselves on the fly. Okay, I'm not going to lie. We often debated those close calls loudly and with gusto. He's out! He's not. He made it by a mile. Did not cheat her. He was way out. And on and on it went. But somehow we managed to work things out. One side or another would eventually relent and we would play on. Or a kid with a bit cooler head from one team or the other would step up and admit the obvious. Yeah, honestly, he was out. Now, every once in a while, only a do-over would suffice. We resolve things different ways at different times. But here's the thing. We always manage to finish the game. Now, if a bunch of 12-year-olds can do this, it can't really be that difficult. 
So in the system conceived by the founding generation, all three branches of government, along with the states, were intended to jealously guard their own authority and push back against any expansion of power by the others. There was meant to be pushing and shoving, at least figuratively speaking. Madison made the adversarial nature of our system explicit in Federalist 46. He called for refusal to cooperate with officers of the Union, to create impediments and obstructions when the federal government acts outside of its authority. These aren't the words of somebody who believes some judge was supposed to issue an opinion and then watch everybody fall into line. The states were expected to resist federal overreach. Resist. Listen to what Madison wrote. State legislatures will jealously and closely watch the operation of this government and be able to resist with more effect every assumption of power than any other power on earth can do. Look, absolute government authority is for dictatorships. Liberty and freedom, it gets messy. But when government institutions can do whatever they want, they will do whatever they want. Powers have to remain checked and constrained, and that takes some fight sometimes. No, it doesn't have to be pistols at 10 paces, but conflict is absolutely essential for preserving liberty. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening. If you enjoyed the show, do me a favor and spread the word. And make sure you head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. You can send me any thoughts or ideas at michael.meharry at 10 Thanks for listening.